welcome to another episode of The Imperfect Scientist. The podcast to uncover this, your strengths and to empower you. And I'm really happy that um, we finally managed to get Yule on this podcast because we've been talking about this for I don't know how long, a very long time. And um, we not only have Yule, who I very, very much like and appreciate um, for discussion partner and also for being together with. And um, no, because also I think the topic is really interesting. Yes. Well, if you've read the title and, um, and the description of the podcast, I mean, you already know which way we're going today. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is probably um controversial we're gonna we're definitely gonna take a different perspective we're definitely gonna put some spin on the topic and for that i'm also really happy that we finally have yule uh, on the podcast yule how are you i'm good good morning good morning so um i think one of the first things we always do with with our guests is that we uh, we asked them, yeah, why why are you here today, right? Why why did we bring you in, other than the fact that we like you very much, um, to talk about diversity and to dismount, dismantle the word a bit and, and, and to put a different spin on that. So talk to us about who you are, um, your background a bit, and, and why why you love that topic. Why, why is your thing? Okay. So first of all, I think I'm here because you invited me. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A pleasure and an honor. So thanks a lot uh, for this invitation. And uh, yeah, why am I here to talk about the topic of uh, diversity? So basically, I um, regarding my training background, uh, I don't really have a lot to do with the topic of diversity. So I'm a biologist um, and neuroscientist by training. Um, I did my PhD at the border between neuroscience and immunology and uh, did my postdoc in immunology. Um, so I've spent more than 10 years in total in research and now have um, moved on to become a full-time trainer on the topics um, that also, for example, Daniel is working on. So everything that scientists need to work properly, but they don't really learn during university yeah so topics like scientific writing time and self-management is something that I do cover but uh, the topic that is closest to my heart would be um, anything related to diversity um, and me being a woman um, in science or having been a woman in science for the longest time especially being um a woman from East Germany. So I was born in the former Democratic Republic of Germany, the, the GDR. Um, <clears throat> um, and yeah, having a working class background, um, diversity is a topic that really has been yeah, following me around for the last 10 years working in science. And that's why I chose to kind of, yeah, become more familiar with the topic and the concept and I'm currently doing a training for becoming an actual diversity trainer and that's why I'm here I guess yes <laughs> thank you Yule. um well it's a bit off the main topic of diversity but I think it's very important that we also acknowledge or highlight let's say highlight um your track record in the sense like how you have put together your career because we always we also have discussed this a couple of times in the podcast right you come from a scientific background you've had you have done your PhD your postdoc yeah um and now you have decided to turn more towards the training the people for the things that they most dearly need but lack uh, the training yeah. for and um and you have chosen one particular topic that is closest to your heart and we're going to go into that um a little bit more but just to say it is possible to also make your own path and make your own career and you don't have to wait for anyone to to come and um and save you so to say so just just to acknowledge that and highlight that um, that that's possible and maybe that's even also relevant to the topic especially for women in science right so i have to say that i didn't choose that path by my own mm -hmm. uh, completely i did have great mentors and people who supported me and a really good network um, that helped me elevate uh, 
to to where I am right now. But yeah, you are the designer of your own career, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and at least from the outside, I would definitely say that um, no matter how good your mentors, um, you you still were the one walking, right? Yeah, taking steps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I look forward to, because uh, we've discussed that just before the podcast, when we prepared this, that diversity is such a buzzword nowadays. And I'm really looking forward. I already learned a lot from uh, Juliane, from Jule, um, before this podcast on the different angles and the different ways that you can address diversity and and Eva pointed out as well in the preparation that we're going to end up with tools again right um how to use that and how to how that can help you um, yeah. in your in your working life maybe even your life in total yeah that's actually very important um before we even dive into the into the topic so much maybe let's define our goal today right our goal today is to deconstruct the buzzword a bit give you a different perspective. We already kind of said that and um, equip you, right? Empower you once again with tools um, that are going to allow you to think about diversity differently, maybe broader and might hopefully give you a wider perspective and a better way to, um, to address situations that entail diversity in your, in your scientific career, in your path, whatever that may be. And I think Yule picked a fantastic word of the day. Mm -hmm. Should I? What is it? Can you remind me again? Yeah, it was <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the fantastic things about Yule is that she's brutally honest, and this is something I really uh, respect a lot. And I love to work and be with people who are honest because I think that's fantastic. So Yule uh, suggested intersectionality, which is a very uh, bulky word. But what I love about this, uh, she uh, linked that with an uh, intersection, right? Roads intersect. So actually that's something, at least for me, that's something positive um, if there's intersections. And this is something that's, I think one of the tools that I would like to aim for in this podcast is how this could help you to get more perspectives is with these intersections. So intersectionality, is something very positive, at least for me. Yeah. Probably um, not for the people who deal with intersectionality on a daily. On why a daily not? Level. Why not? Let's talk about that. I think that's important that we address yeah. that. Why, why is it not so easy or so, yeah. Why are maybe the people dealing with that not so happy about it? Let's talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about the definition mm -hmm. of the term first, what mm -hmm. intersectionality means. So intersectionality is a term that comes from um, the field of diversity. Okay, you picked a very good slot for tone, uh, which unfortunately is very far away from the router. Um, and let's see whether we're going to cut this section uh, or not. Yeah, I was wondering, I you are like yeah now it says that my um internet is insane. yeah don't worry I'm just really repeat sorry. um the intersectionality definition yeah we were you you broke off right in that moment so go ahead yeah okay so intersectionality is um term that um, basically resides within the field of diversity and if you think about um, diversity of people um being different um, in different respects, you have different dimensions of diversity. So you have people that have different ethnical backgrounds. Um, that would be one dimension of diversity. Gender is a dimension of diversity. Sexuality is a, a dimension of diversity, but also social status, um, ability. So people who, um, yeah, so health status is also let's say, um, a dimension of diversity. And um, intersectionality is the point where different dimensions of diversity meet within the same person. And this is the point where several discriminations may happen to a person based upon their um, yeah, dimensions of diversity where they meet. So the, 
intersectionality is a term that has been coined by um, a lawyer. Her name is Kimberly Crenshaw in the 1980s. And um, this was basically yeah, coined by a lawsuit um, that has been started by Black women who applied for positions um, at an organization and they didn't get the jobs. And they said that they didn't get the job because they were black women. And then the organization said, well, I don't know what you're talking about because we do have black people in our organization and we do have women in our organization, right? But the, the thing that they didn't have in their organization was actually black women. And this is where intersectionality comes in because those women were discriminated against because they had different levels or different dimensions of diversity. And this is where the intersectionality um, basically was coined. Um, thanks. I think that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's an excellent example. Um, I want to get this term diversity even more fixed. And mm -hmm. for me, uh, and that's very subjective, obviously, diversity also comes down to like personality traits, right? The big five personality traits, where I would also argue that can also be diversity. Would you um, say that diversity is something that you would link with discrimination? Or would you say diversity is just heterogeneity, which would be much bigger and affecting everybody? Or more people, maybe? Hmm. Mm, I would say that the term Diversity, as it is used nowadays, also uh, by organizations in their marketing and branding strategies, uh, diversity is viewed as something that is really warm, colorful, nice. It's a happy place for you to be. And um, I would beg, beg to differ because um, diversity also has to do with discrimination because once you are a member of a, let's say, diverse group in our society, you will be facing some degree of discrimination in your life. So um, diversity always has to do with discrimination at some point. Let's, let's go back then. Let's run back to the original question we mm -hmm. started this little conversation with, yeah. where we said, why is it that diversity um, or um, intersectionality is something that people in certain positions might not desire because you just pointed out that it comes with discrimination and it's not easy. So how do we deal with that? How do we better deal with that? What, um, what can we do then to, to, to make it a happier place, to make it a better place? <laughs> well, first of all, I would say um, to enable diversity Mm -hmm. Yeah, and not just make it make it a marketing strategy um, and tell people that our organization uh, is striving to be really diverse, but um, let's stick to the rules that we have been living by for the last century or something. Yeah, because these rules were, at least if you look at the middle European um, um, area, these rules have been made by white men for white men. And if you invite diversity into the room, you will have to acknowledge that there are different people who have um, different life stories and also grew up in, in different sets of rules, let's say, and to kind of include all of these people into the room. So if you invite diversity into your organization, you should also think about inclusion. Yeah, of how to include everyone and not just say um, we want to invite diversity, but everything has to stay the same because everything will change if you invite diversity into the room. If I, if I as, the, as the most privileged here in this round, probably as an as a old white male, um, uh, I, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here and mm -hmm. draw all the, uh, you know, whatever, why should we, you know, why should a company or a lab or an institute consider diversity? Why? Um, and, and once we, we, we and I, I can think of a number of reasons why, but, you know, once we address, you know, why should they do this, maybe then we can make this happen more. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are several reasons that are also talked about in our society. Um, one reason that uh, is being brought up constantly is the business case behind this. Yeah, so there is a business case for diversity. There has been um, a study, for example, from the year 2020 from the company um, McKinsey. Um, and the study is called Diversity Wins, um, How Inclusion Matters. And they showed that, um, yeah, for one, gender diverse teams, but also ethnically diverse teams, they outperform uh, teams that are not as diverse by on average 30% financially. Yeah. So they financially outperform teams that are less diverse. So this is the business case behind it. And uh, this is the case that has been used a lot. Yeah. So you have a better performance if you have diverse teams. I, um, in my background um, as a training, uh, um, yeah. Being trained as a diversity trainer right now, my view on that would be a bit different because um, I wouldn't look at the output, what comes out at the end um, and how we can benefit from this financially. Um, I would look at it also from a different angle and this angle is called participation. Yeah, so everyone in our society should be enabled to participate in this society. And this is, should also be mirrored in different aspects of our social life. And coming back to science, one aspect, of course, is science. Yeah. So every group in our society, let's say here in the German um, academic system, should be able to participate. Yep. Yeah, um, I completely agree with that. Hmm? Um, for the sake of discussion, however, let's say that mm -hmm. we say that is a fundamental kind of core value of yours, right? Mm -hmm. um, and of mine and of um, potentially many people. But there might be others who only look at the business aspect or yeah. who, um, and, and they also then have a reason to, 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 to build diverse teams in that sense, because mm -hmm. just because of the business aspect, if you, if you like. Um, what other aspects are there? I mean, so like we've at least, are there any more? We have discussed two. One is the business, okay? They outperform. Like Daniel said, there's a number of reasons. That might be one. The other one is fundamentally, you, one of your core values might be that you want to enable people to participate. Participation mm -hmm. is a very important um, pillar of, um, of as a value and also potentially to to increase performance mm -hmm. are there any other aspects um, of diversity we should be considering mm, i would also say when it comes to enabling people to participate this is also about um yeah who gets to ask the questions yeah especially when you talk about research and science um who defines research questions and mm -hmm. who answers them. And this is also about who defines our societal narrative, so to say, yeah? Who narrates our history and science. Um, and this is also something that one should look at, yeah? Not just about um, participation and letting people come into the room, but also um, how they can be a part of defining what our society is. I just, I just, I, I totally agree. I just mm -hmm. uh, read an interesting thing that we are moving forward, at least moving forward to some extent when it comes to diversity in mm -hmm. the, how should I call this, in the real world. Um, and I read that, um, you know, everybody agrees that artificial intelligence and algorithms are going to play a much bigger part in the future, more and more, mm -hmm. defining uh, things, uh, making rules and so forth. And unfortunately, the coding area of business is still one of the most homogeneous ones, right? There's, for example, very few women um, in, the, in the coding area. And so that artificial intelligence or the algorithms, they don't probably ask a very, very diverse set of questions, yet they are going to be very powerful in the, in the near future, right? That's just yeah. something I, I 
that came to my mind when you talked about um, who gets to ask the questions. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also who designs things. Yeah? Yeah. If you look um, around in our world, a lot of things um, until, let's say, 50 years ago have been designed by men for men and um, other groups of people in our diverse uh, in our society haven't really been included so for example i've heard this um, example about soap soap dispensers yeah when they have been um, designed uh, you know these soap dispensers where you hold your hand under underneath and then the soap comes out that you have in public bathrooms this was designed by white people for white people because um, once they they were uh, installed, they found out that um, the soap dispensers don't work for black people. Yeah, because and this color. is something that wouldn't have happened in a diverse team of designers because they would have tried that out and they would have noticed, oh, it doesn't work for all of us. Maybe, you know, we should rethink of how, how we design it. And this is just one example. And one other example from the medical field, because this is a, a podcast um, about or for scientists. Yeah. One example from the medical field is um, the symptoms and the di diagnosis of um, um, a heart. Now I can't find heart the attack. term. Of heart attack. Yeah. Um, up until the, the late 1990s, uh, the symptoms uh, of a heart attack um, that were described also in medical literature were the symptoms that are displayed by men. Women have different symptoms for heart attacks, for example. And also, of course, by now in um, the medical playbook, um, this is uh, described by now. But if you look in, around in our society, no one will know what um, or few people will know what the actual symptoms for a heart attack are in a woman. Yeah? And these are examples that show us that if you include other groups into research, you wouldn't have these issues. I didn't know that at all. So you reach another level of knowledge even, you could say, right? Um, yeah, yeah. By including everyone, um, you reach another level of knowledge because everyone will be part of asking these questions and and thinking about the struggles. Yeah, yeah. And yet, um, as I why um, eye opening as those examples are to me, we're still talking about the levels of diversity that probably everybody comes up with um kind of spontaneously right which are gender and ethnic mm -hmm. um you define however so many levels of um diversity that would be important to consider as well right like, I, this this was eye-opening to me that mm -hmm. health status um your background your knowledge your set of rules by which you live all of those mm -hmm. define different levels of diversity Mm -hmm. which if taken into account could potentially change very much the design of a product, the design of a medicine of, uh, right. Uh, no, just to name a few examples. So, yeah. so how, what tools are there that, that we can enable this diversity? How do we move from this kind of conceptual conversation about why it is important and why, how we, um, how we can use it to our advantage? Um, to actually to actually enabling it um, how do we become more aware how what can we do mm. I think you already with with your one of your last uh, words that you used in your question that that's one of the 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 yeah the first steps forward yeah awareness mm -hmm. so raising awareness and sensitizing people on the topic of diversity and uh, talk to people about what diversity actually is, because I also have the feeling that in at least in the in the German academic system, uh, when you talk about diversity, people think this is about like a female quota for professors, like mm -hmm. it's solely about gender. And this is not what it's um, about for me. So it's about opening the perspective of, first of all, what diversity is and sensitizing people on it. And what goes hand in hand with that is 
to become aware not only of the levels of diversity that exist in our society, but also on the levels of privileges that exist. And this is the hard part of this work. Yeah. And this is where it becomes uncomfortable when you ask people about their privileges and want to make them aware of their privileges. That's when it becomes uncomfortable. Yeah. And, but only when you know about your own privileges, you will be able to share these privileges because privilege is power. Yeah. And you have to be aware of your own privilege to distribute that privilege, AKA power. So I could sit here and say, I am a diversity trainer and uh, I am the least privileged uh, person in this society because I'm a woman, but I am not. Yeah. Diverse, uh, uh, being a woman is one part of my diversity dimensions, which at some point discriminated me in my life and in my career, definitely. But on the other hand, I have a lot of dimensions that um, enable me. Yeah. So I am also a very privileged person because I'm a white woman, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably also because you had access to a lot of people from which to learn and people who mentored you. And I mean, these are just yeah. thinking, things I'm thinking off the top of my head. You you have probably a list of privileges that you're much more aware of for yourself. And I, I could definitely name a lot for myself. Um, yeah, but that's that's one of the, the, the main points that, that people try to become aware of their privileges. Yeah. Right. I was just, you know, like I was kind of smiling to myself when you were saying that because there's this sentence that I always come back to and I think we even named a podcast like this before that sharing is caring yeah um I still and and, and it's a core value for me um mm. but and as so and so I'm fully on the same page with you um but it still remains a question for me okay we're gonna sensitize people we're gonna mm -hmm. make them more aware yeah. um and yet they're still going to be a good argument in my opinion i mean even if it's not my argument the one i would support to say why should i care kind of right i mean like how does this change my life how does this change my everyday mm -hmm. um because for me it's it's totally changing my perspective of the world it's changing it's it's part of me it's part of who i am i want to i want to see the world like that but there might be people who 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 don't see that much of a benefit and and then we have defined a number of benefits but let's let's try to make it even more obvious let's try to make it even um yeah even easier even more accessible mm, yeah what? i think the let's 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 call it the moral imperative um, mm -hmm. is a point here so if yeah, if you yourself, because you're a white, cis, male person, aged 45, really privileged, you will probably not have a direct benefit from um, living in a more diverse society where everyone gets to participate um, in the short run. Yeah, but in the long run, everyone will benefit because you will have, um, yeah, just less discrimination and less anger in this society. Yeah, that's, that, that would be my argument. I would argue that um, the more you're aware, which comes by knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the more you're going to know why people behave in a certain way, mm -hmm. right? So you're going to be better at interacting with people that yeah. are around you if you understand more of why they behave the way they do it's this um, you know coming back to this iceberg model where there's lots of you know you see what's above the water how they behave but you don't understand why and one part of that is diversity right Discr mm -hmm. discrimination privilege so that you get the more knowledge and i mean we're scientists right so knowledge is power we know that knowledge is power so the more you know about you know diversity and and how people behave and why they behave the way the more you're going to be able to interact mm -hmm. appropriately with them and what i loved um was um well first of all you become aware of your privileges and this can be painful and i'm not totally not there yet um and i love what you said in the beginning about your 
the pain in the in the diversity program that you're going in the training that you did there. Um, what I love is this sharing of privileges, mm -hmm. right? If you have a privilege, you have something that somebody else does not have, mm -hmm. right? So actually, that's something that you can share, and thereby. Um, I mean, one side is sharing is caring, but the other side is also you're going to be able to interact much better with the people around you, mm -hmm. right? If you have something that you can share and distribute, I think that's yeah. that's fantastic. And ba basically give people who are less privileged um, access to places that they usually don't have access to. Yeah, And one of these places would be science and research, for example. Absolutely. And also one thing that, that Eva um, mentioned before in her question, so why should people be striving for diversity? Yeah, The people who don't usually strive for diversity. And I think one really good example here is um, feminism, because everyone always talks about how feminism, the concept of feminism makes the world a better place for women. But that's not what it is about, because the, the, what, what the, the concept of patriarchy has done for our society is not only detrimental to women, it's also detrimental to men, because they also have to follow certain rules, they have to fulfill their role. And as soon as a man in our society um, decides to be more feminine, for example, have a more feminine um, appearance or more feminine side to their character, let's say, um, or maybe doesn't even want to yeah, call themselves a man, but maybe wants to be um, a non-binary person in this, in this society, they also face discrimination. Yeah? And if a man one, uh, who is working full-time and becomes a father, um, they also have problems because of patriarchy. So if you would have more feminism in this world, let's say, you would have uh, a better world for all genders, not only for women. And that's something that, that a lot of people lose, I think, by the term that is feminism, because it, it entails or in, it, it, um, yeah, it has the word feminine in it, which, which a lot of people think that this is only about women, but it's not. It's about all genders. And if you consider that more is richer, right? If you have more options, for example, as a man, Yeah. Uh, if you're not in a, a patriarchism, but you have yeah. more options, like becoming yeah. a father, being very soft with your children, which is something at least finally mm. has happened. Or not, in... not having to be the breadwinner in yeah. the family, for example. Not yeah. the breadwinner or not the tough yeah. one always, yeah. right? The authoritative yeah. one. You're, yeah. You just have more options, which means you're richer, right? There's more richness in, in your life. And yeah. if you take the opposite, if you have homogeneity, that's poorer, right? Mm -hmm. If you have less you know less variance it's just mm -hmm. going to be poorer with with every respect and nobody wants yeah. to be poor right yeah yeah you want to have all of the possibilities yeah to to develop into the person that you want to be not that society expects you to be yeah so this is in the context of of um um feminism but this also applies to diversity in general i think because also in in diversity you have uh prejudgments of people right you you look at a person and you see them and then you think okay this is how they are based on the color of their skin based on their apparent sexuality and so on and so forth and if everyone gets to be the way they want to be and not to be the way society ascribes them um, this will be better for everyone yeah cool so let's um, go for two yeah Eva. no go ahead go ahead i i might be changing topics so you go ahead then okay okay so, so so i would come back to the tools so we have mm -hmm. awareness which comes by collecting information which i would argue be talking to people whenever you don't mm -hmm. understand something whenever somebody's doing something where you're like That's crazy. Why are they doing this? They're stupid or whatever. This means you don't have the full set of information. You don't mm -hmm. have the data, which helps you to understand why they behave. Because everybody behaves 
in the way they behave because of reasons, right? Nobody yeah. does something that's totally stupid. From their perspective, it makes total sense to behave that way. And if you think it's stupid or, or why do they do that, that just means you don't have the information yet, which we as scientists should strive for collecting the information. So, mm -hmm. you know, talking to people would be one tool whenever yeah. something weird happens. Also training people, of course. So having uh -huh. more yes. sensitizing trainings uh, in the context of diversity, also at universities. Um, and I do believe, I know this is a really uh, tough topic that has been, this, that is discussed everywhere um, vigorously, but I do believe in quotas. And I'm not, that's one thing that I'm saying. I'm not saying that this should be a quota for female professors, but there should be other dimensions included in here. For example, um, I, I have mentioned this in the beginning. I, I was born in the former German Democratic Republic and I grew up there and I spent um, basically all of my scientific life also in East Germany. And um, at some point I started looking around And I found myself wondering why most of the professors, I'm not talking about gender here because mm -hmm. I was working uh, at a medical faculty and most of the professors were male anyways, but also a, a huge uh, part of the professors, probably about 80% were West Germans. Yeah. So this is, would also be part of the quota, for example, at least when you look at East German universities. Yeah. And then also I have rarely seen um, a professor or a group leader in science that is openly out as gay or trans or non-binary. Yeah. So think about all of these perspectives. Yeah. So not just talk about a quota for women, but a quota for diversity. And look at how this diversity is distributed in our society and how we can bring this distribution into academic research. So are you, am I understanding this correctly, that you would try to match the diversity um, distribution in society um, with the quotas then for higher, I mean, like at universities, organizations, whatever. Yeah. That's how you, okay. Because one of my questions immediately would be, yeah, but how do you define those quotas, right? Like how, what is a fair quota in that sense? Yeah. You, yeah. And so you're saying by matching the, 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 the actual distribution in society that that can be a starting point at least. Trying to match. Yeah. And, and also I'm not here saying, um, quotas are the one tool mm -hmm. to to manage this um, this is always multifactorial let's say there are always several factors that um, go in there but I would say that establishing quotas would be one tool to in order to establish more diversity because also this is something that I have previously um, discussed with with Daniel uh, if you look at diversity at universities, you have at the, at the level of the PhD candidates, you have a, a quite some level of diversity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of women, you have ethnical diversity, you have uh, international students, but the further you go up the ladder, the more homogenous it becomes. Right? At least in Germany. And At least in Germany, yeah. I'm talking about the German academic system here. And I think also part of this problem stems from the way that the uh, commissions for, the, for establishing professorships at universities are being set up. Because mm -hmm. um, in, in German, there is the saying that uh, Hans will always hire another Hans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So people hire the people that are most similar to them. Mm -hmm. And if you have the commissions at, at German universities that are only consisting of um, white middle-aged middle ma uh, males and females also, you will not um, be able to, to get to that point where you have a diverse hiring process. I mean, yeah. it's, it's changing right now. They yes. have to have lists where they yeah. are women on, on the list. Mm -hmm. They have to have women in the top three. So this is going to um, push things forward. And I think that's good. And, and I, yeah. 
I would argue that there's lots of people who agree that quotas are necessary for this transition phase until we have representation yes. and then we can go back to and then we know, can go back to normal yeah, because agree. then uh, uh it, it's not only going to be hans uh in the in the yeah. committees anymore yeah also, and also which one did we pick aisha uh yeah aisha yeah as an example for yeah yeah uh, hans would would it would be less likely to to hire aisha than another hans for example yeah yeah definitely um, one point that I wanted to make, I forgot, but I will probably think about it. Think of it in a, in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 in my mind, uh, I agree that quotas or enforcing, let's say, um, diversity in the hiring committees mm. as well, so that they become also more aware mm. of um, of all of the dimensions that the candidates bring onto the table, yep. not just um, yeah, um, yeah. The, the ones that are closest to them. Because like you said, we're biased. Whereas as humans, yeah. we are naturally biased towards finding our next of kin, right? I mean, the, the, the people, I think this has to do with um, with ancient, ancient, you know, like in the ancient times, survival kind of, you know, like anything that was unknown, anything that was very different could represent danger. Yeah. And I guess we have still that deep down ingrained and very much, um, yeah, reinforced also through our education and through our morals uh, collectively as society, um, reinforce that very much. And yeah. as and, we and become aware, this gets better. And being trained as a um, <clears throat> neuroscientist, I wouldn't necessarily say that biases are always a bad thing because mm -hmm. it, it, what biases do is they help us save energy yeah. <laughs> on a daily basis um, and to make quick decisions. So if you think about biases from this perspective, they are actually helpful uh, for us as humans to survive in our daily environment. The only way, the only time that when biases become problematic is when you don't take, go the extra mile and think about, you know, the kind of biases that you have when you prejudge people. Yeah, so the, the biases are problematic uh, in the context of diversity, but in our everyday life, biases actually help us a lot. And um, I think, so I don't know, you probably have talked about uh, Daniel Kahneman uh, quite mm -hmm. sometimes uh, in your podcast. So uh, I really recommend to read his book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, because this elaborates on biases. One thing that I uh, that just came to my mind again uh, that I have forgotten before, um, one of the tools that one could also implement besides the quotas, and this is one thing that um, McKinsey and company also have established, is that in hiring and promoting um, committees, they have a so-called bias officer yeah. in every committee um, that kind of looks for biases in the um in the in the processes yeah and openly addresses them and talks about them yeah so why are you hiring this person or why are you promoting this person is it really based on um the output that this person generates scientifically let's say on the number of papers or is it because this person is more similar to you yeah, to really, and this is also uncomfortable. This will be uncomfortable to the people who uh, have throughout all of scientific history been the more privileged people because this is where they have to face their own biases and privileges. And I hope we're going to come to the to the to the to this painful process that you uh, talked about in the because I thought that was really interesting in your training. Uh, thing and that's one of the uh, one of the painful things is to actually interact with somebody who's not from your comfort zone right who's not in your peer group who's not from your own I remember that uh, the Zeit had once a a, um, uh, a time where they put together people from opposite whatever political views different mm. uh, areas different uh, population groups and they came together and needed to talk to each other, right? And for some couple, for some pairings, that did not work at all, right? They just mm -hmm. got into a fight immediately and then broke up. But for many, it was really eye-opening to finally see, you know, the other 
the other perspective. And I can remember several uh, situations where it happened to me where I was really genuinely surprised. I was in a situation, I don't know, a wedding or something where I needed to talk to the person sitting next to me who was from a different political view or different uh, uh, population subgroup and that was frequently eye-opening to see the perspective mm -hmm. from the other person and i guess that's one of i mean quotas is one thing but the other one is this you know talking to each other making people talk to each other training people to uh you know interact and intersect right yeah and communicate and communicate well with each other which isn't just trying to place my worldview onto another person but also to actively listen and and find out what the other person's world and the other person's view is about and this is where it becomes um yeah let's say painful <laughs> because um if you have if you want to have a diverse team and um you invite people into your team who are displaying some dimensions of diversity you have to listen to them you have to listen to their needs and not just think um okay i'm inviting all of these people into my organization to work with us but we're still going to stick with the same set of rules yeah and this is this is where it become, becomes painful because you have to listen to other people and kind of let go of your own worldview for a moment there and 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 try to implement um all of the different views on things yeah and changing things changing rules that's what you said right that's i changing. guess the painful thing as well yeah changing rules yeah 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 and and coming up with rules that everyone is fine with yeah and this is where group dynamic comes in yeah so um in, i'm i'm currently still in the training for um being a diversity trainer and the group of people that I'm working with there is a really diverse group. So the organization that is doing the training with us, they have really uh, done a great job in picking the people to an extent that we have this diverse group, that we have this diverse representation that our society is. And then I kind of... Um, yeah, made the experience in this in this traineeship, let's say, um, what diversity actually means. Yeah, because it is hard. Yeah, and it is painful to 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 see what kind of um, let's say what you can do to other people. Yeah, yeah, how you how you will be able to hurt them, and this is what in our society is rarely talked about yeah if you invite people into an organization that come from a diverse background they will have made this um, or encountered discriminations which have been hurtful and if you allow them to openly talk about it and openly address it it will be painful for everyone in the room yeah and this is the thing that makes diversity hard yeah, because it's not just colorful and warm and cozy. Um, if we all come together and exchange, um, it also has to do with privilege and power. And um, if you, for example, or if me as a white person invite people from a different um, diversity background, let's say, or dimension, they will come into that room with a lot of um, experiences they have made before. Yeah. And this will at some point um, surface. Yeah. How about how about a, um, a situation in which diversity steps over? I don't know how to phrase this properly. Kind of say you wanting to enable a certain level of diversity leads to conflict, not necessarily physical, but you know, like. Uh, mental conflict or mm -hmm. whatever like moral conflict yeah with um with the with the person who uh, with someone else's level of diversity so mm -hmm. i'm thinking you know like um we 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 defined now several levels of diversity and one of them could be dress code i don't know just mm -hmm. i'm picking a kind of a very naive off the top of my head example yeah. let's just say you say um I'm going to enable uh, diversity also in terms of any kind of dress code and someone might be 
choosing not to wear something, for example, which might then cra cl uh, clash with the with the with the next person's level of diversity regarding dress code or whatever. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle that? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm thinking, you know, like this leads to very uncomfortable situations. It can potentially lead to very uncomfortable situations. And one thing is to talk it out, sort of, or try to mm -hmm. talk it out. For example, when when it comes to political views or other kinds of views, and and maybe something very different is when 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 it's something more obvious physical i don't know i could think of several yeah. examples that's I, just comes to mind. I, I think the uh the dress code topic is a really easy example to mm -hmm. go by because we don't actually have to talk about actual um, dimensions of diversity and how it can be hurtful or not mm -hmm. um so that's a really good uh, good example and i think that let's say we say we we have a freedom of, of dress code in our organization mm -hmm. yeah and um there are people who don't feel comfortable around naked people and one one person shows up naked yeah, yeah. um and usually you would say if the person that shows up na naked is a more privileged person in the room let's say daniel comes in naked and he is the white <laughs> the white man everyone would think oh you know in 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 the world as it has been until now everyone would probably think oh you know he's the more privileged person and maybe he is also the boss um we don't say anything about it and we just let him do his thing mm -hmm. but if i feel uncomfortable with Daniel sitting next to me naked, mm -hmm. then I should be able to openly address this without being hurtful to Daniel. Yeah. So this is also feedback rules are really, really important when it comes to diversity to not just display your anger openly, but to use the anger that you feel in that moment to make something out of it. Yeah. To, to go into a process to openly discuss this and, um, also, Daniel, as a privileged person, should know about the privilege he has, that he can actually be able to come in naked, but he should also have the open ear to listen to me when I say, well, this is kind of uncomfortable for me if you come in naked. And maybe we as a group, so not just Daniel and me, but we as a whole group can sit together now and think about how can we all enable this open dress code with everyone feeling feeling comfortable in here yeah and this is also about stepping back maybe from your comfort zone a little bit and i mean absolutely I would, yeah go ahead Daniel. i would argue whenever you enable diversity there's mm -hmm. going to be conflict yes i would argue absolutely. there's no way that you can get yeah. by this without yeah. conflict that does if, not work if you enable diversity uh, to an extent that um, I understand diversity or the organization that I'm doing the training as a diversity trainer with is, is understanding it, then it will raise conflict because it, it's not just allowing people into a room um, that have diverse dimensions, but also allowing them to openly state what they think and to know that their opinion matters as much as anyone else's. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, like in the long run, in a situation like what you described, for example, yeah. someone coming in naked and then having an open conversation about um, how to deal with that within the organization. Yeah. Um, there might be a set of rules that works for everyone in the in the direction of, I don't know, we have a day in which um, it's it, people come in naked and, 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 you know, like the whoever wants to come in naked comes naked and the other people are okay with that. Maybe they mm -hmm. don't have to come if they feel too uncomfortable with that. I don't know. Like you come up with a set of rules that hopefully works for everyone. Yeah. And yet that might lead, and maybe this is another dimension of, of the problematic, is to some people saying, well, I'm not okay with that set of rules even, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like whatever set of rules we come up with, it might exclude some people eventually. Mm -hmm. Because um, depending on your mindset or how core of a value that is to you, mm -hmm. that might be something you're just not willing to accept, right? And, mm -hmm. then, and then you might have to look for another group composition, another mm -hmm. organization, which we anyways already kind of do, right? We already kind of try to fit into the place where we feel the most connection with at whatever level, it doesn't have to be, I mean, like, if you're a feminist, it might be more of a feminine, like, or a female um, 
represented organization or group of social connections, whatever. There are, again, also many levels to this, but I'm just thinking this could also eventually lead to exclusion. Yeah. And, and yeah. this is the, the way you want to handle either you go by the democratic way where the majority decides and then mm -hmm. you exclude people, the minority, mm -hmm. or whether you go, I'm full on participation where then minorities can also, you know, say, I don't want this, thereby blocking processes. But if you say participation is the major priority here, then you would go through the process as and I've, I've just as long as until you get consensus and everybody agrees well that's a set of rules we can agree with and then you would say participation is the major priority and i've just um considered uh, being included in such an organization where they say no it's consensus we mm -hmm. want decisions to be taken without opposition yeah which means a I lot think, of discussion yeah i think that's that's what it comes down to uh, also daniel it's it's consensus and it's also compromise so i i once heard um a lawyer say that the the, the best the best end of a, of a lawsuit mm -hmm. is when none of the parties come out um content yeah so everyone has to face some sort of compromise and that's what what um our society as it is now although it's already changing um there was a certain part of our society who made the rules and other people have had to abide by it yeah this is called the patriarchy um and th as this changes everyone have to will have to make amends yeah and everyone have or will have to uh, yeah face compromises or make compromises yeah and this may feel like an exclusion to some people, yeah. Yeah, um, I just think it's interesting to think beyond. Um, so let's just put it this way. You started by stating that diversity is not, you know, like the rainbow unicorn, um, happy place that maybe everybody kind of has in mind when we use the buzzword. Yeah. Um, it's, it can be an ugly place full of conflict and difficult conversations. It will be at some point. Yeah. But if yeah. you if you go past that and this is you where... come out the other end. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. You come yeah, out yeah. the other end yeah. in principle. Is... Yeah. In, in a better place, right? In, in somewhere. I mean, maybe it's not the happy unicorn place, but it's definitely somewhere nicer than when you started. Yeah. Um, but it also has a price. Right. Yes. There's a, there's a number. I mean, like, so in conflict, there will be, as Daniel said before, when you put the people together, there might be people who are not able to talk it out. There might be yeah. just boundaries that are not people might be with, not willing to to compromise about certain boundaries. Right there. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking like even more extreme things than, than coming to work naked, you know, like things that that might just go very frontally against people's belief system or, you know, functioning system, not even belief system. Um, and so, yeah, you come out the other end, hopefully stronger, hopefully wiser. Yeah. Um, but at some point you will, you will feel paralyzed. Yeah. Maybe in, in the process because everyone thinks that, oh, I don't even know what I'm able to do, what I'm allowed to do um, without hurting anyone. And this is the, the process that I have been going through in my training that I have said uh, things, I have heard people, and then I had to go back into that room and try to find my place and my role, um, still being able to contribute to the, the room and to the process, to the organization um, by still talking, but kind of adjusting the way I talk so that I don't hurt anyone anymore. And this may hurt, and this may feel paralyzing. And this is um, maybe also one coming back to tools. Yeah, if you think about tools again, um, this one tool that maybe I, I guess that you have talked about recently in your podcast is also the Tuckman model yeah, of group dynamics. And this is what that something that comes in also uh, when you talk about diversity, yeah, because diversity is not just ethnic diversity, also the diversity of different personalities in a group. And we all know that. Yeah. And, and uh, the Tuckman model just for, for everybody is just mm -hmm. that there is always storming in group dynamics. You have mm -hmm. to go through storming, then you go to norming. So storming would be getting to know each other, understanding, um, 
what the what the opposing interests are configure you know a conflict different interests and then you go to norming where you say those are the rules we want to abide to yeah. um, right. and i agree we we um starting starting the wrap up right we we come to the tools what was really interesting for me is this um richness factor which i was not that much aware of that diversity means richness more perspectives more knowledge more interaction with other people which in from a biological and from my fundamental point of view is usually increasing your options your potential your um i mean i'm always the output performance type right um, but I, what I also loved, and I was aware of it to some extent, but I, you saying it out loud was making it much more uh, helpful is these feedback rules, mm -hmm. right? Once you get to know other people or, you know, trying to understand what's the iceberg under the water thing, um, this needs rules for feedback to be able to work together after, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to just set up rules on how, how to do this. And I think there's always going to be the balance between democracy or consensus, consensus depending on the situation. Mm. Um, so I would say that's that's my um, helpful take take along take away things from what you said, Jule, uh, in this session. From, from my very subjective perspective. <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> I think we've actually despite the, let's say, conceptual nature of the topic, still um, managed to come up with a series of tools that are pretty down to earth, right? That, um, that you could use for enabling diversity. And I think what's more important is we have had a probably more open conversation about diversity than, than most people do in that sense. So that hopefully we've at least for if, if we've managed to at least for someone for some people to to change their mindset about diversity and what that means and how many levels it can have and how you could address it and how you could behave in a situation in which you um, are faced with any kind of diversity conflict or in which you want to enable diversity and so on then um, yeah then 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 I think we can we can be happy about it mm. yeah maybe coming back to the tools part um to anyone who's listening the next time you go into one of your institute seminars yeah where everyone from the institute uh participates everyone sits in the room maybe take a look around you and think about the dimensions of diversity that you currently have in the room and then think about our society of how of, about how our society looks and what kind of people you would need to kind of mirror that society in that room um, to kind of get a, um, a concept of the, let's say, of the state that we're in right now and think about what do we as a society need to do in order to enable the people who are not in this room to be able in this room, uh, to be in this room, I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is something just to, uh, basically, this is a call to everyone out there to just go through your world with open eyes. Yeah, open your eyes to the topic of diversity um, and look who's out there, who's in your environment yeah? and how does it mirror society and, and, or how and, it doesn't. And share your privileges. That's also something that I loved. Yes. Yeah. Learn to share your privileges. Yeah. Which doesn't mean giving up all of the privileges, but enabling. Yeah. Sharing is enabling um, in little bits because I don't need to give up all of my privilege uh, in order for some people to be enabled. But if every one of us would share a little bit of the privilege and not hold on to every position, but also able to share positions. So this is also one thing that I notice um, in science is that some people, um, especially the really successful people, they hold several positions. Yeah, They are head of institute here, then they have a working group here. And then at the age of 60, they get another working group. Think about this and then think about sharing privilege, which would maybe be give up one of these positions so that it's free for someone else who maybe has a more diverse background. Yeah. 
And it's not really that it hurts you. Yeah, because you have plenty other positions, let's say, that you can fill up. Yeah. And, and this happens. I know somebody um, um, who actually also was in this podcast here, whose mentor gave mm -hmm. up his only position that he had yeah. to enable his mentee to pick yeah. up that position and, you know, develop new things. Yeah. yeah. That was, that's and that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great way. Okay, I think that could wrap up. We could spend hours talking about this um, 100%, but I think that could wrap up today's episode um, with some new ideas about diversity, with um, the concept of intersectionality, and um, yeah, with the open invitation to, to Yule um, to, to come back and, and continue to discuss this and other topics um, in the near future. Yeah, I'll be happy to come back. <laughs> Thanks for the invitation. I had a really good time talking to you and I'm glad that we finally made it because we've been looking into possible dates for almost a year now, I think. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Yule.